Right now in traditional and modern worship, our pastors are focusing on unexpected acts. The Gospel of Luke concludes where Acts begins, and the unexpected acts of changed lives and growing churches mentioned therein are inspirited by the unexpected acts of the resurrected Christ. Our pastor's sermons note the prequels and sequels, the befores and afters of the lives and events captured throughout this book. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts 9, verses 1 through 9 from the Common English Bible. Meanwhile, Saul was still spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest seeking letters to the synagogues in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, whether men or women, these letters would authorize him to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. During the journey as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are harassing, came the reply. Now get up and enter the city. You'll be told what you must do. Those traveling with him stood there speechless. They heard the voice but saw no one. After they picked Saul up from the ground, he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and neither ate nor drank anything. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Today, uh, we are uh, doing a new way of helping us connect with each other. We no longer have our connection cards, but we now have our connection notebooks back, uh, and we're very excited about that. And so, yeah, a little applause for the connection notebooks. That's awesome. Uh, You'll find them on the end of of each aisle if you'll just pass it down. There's a couple ways you can connect with us. Uh, One, the QR code's still in there if you prefer to let us know you're here via your phone. Or you can just write down your information and let us know that you're here. You'll find a couple other things in there that are really fun. So our first-time guests, don't worry about the QR code or filling out that pad. There is a welcome uh, card in there for you. If you'll fill that out and bring it to the welcome desk after the service, we have a gift for you for worshiping with us today. There's also prayer request cards in there, and if you would like to share a prayer request with your church family, uh, you're welcome to do that. You can mark it private, and our pastors will pray for you, or you can mark it public and our prayer team will pray for you. Now, this is not the only way for you to connect with us. We hope that you follow us on social media, if you're on social media, so we can keep up with each other during the week. And we also hope you're involved in all the many uh, ministries that we have here at Asbury. Uh, I heard a comedian say that he had never had an epiphany. And then he thought, oh my goodness, I just had my first epiphany. I've never had an epiphany. (laughs) Do y'all know what an epiphany is? It's when you uh, see something in a way in which you've never seen it before. The best way to describe this is that a blind spot has been exposed. What if there are blind spots in our life that are keeping us from from flourishing in the way God intends. 
Today we're going to look at some ways in which we can hopefully recognize those blind spots and begin to live in a way that is just full of abundance and love. I came across an article this week about an event that happened to a student at Harvard. She was a graduate student in the astronomy department, and she sent an email to the entire department, faculty, students alike, to announce her departure from the astronomy program. She had no qualms with the administration, nor was she having academic difficulties. It's just that in her life, at that time, it had become impossible to ignore the calling for her to become a nun rather than an astronomer. To study service in the world rather than the cosmic forces of the vast heavens. Her love of Jesus, she wrote in her letter, was very important to her. In this path she was about to embark on, it seemed would be the only way that she could spend her life. Now, the article didn't say if this was a hard decision that she pondered over for years or if it was a pretty quick and easy decision for her. My, my, my hunch is probably a little bit of both. And people within the department questioned her sanity. Why would she throw her life away? at the opportunity of getting an astronomy graduate degree from Harvard. I've often commented that following Jesus doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the world. Because we Jesus followers, we're encouraged to love not just our neighbors, but also our enemies. We're called to embrace the broken, we're called to give away our money. We're taught to take care of the stranger. And all this seems illogical because of the blind spots that we have in our lives. When it comes to looking at scripture, I believe that it's important to examine what are the questions that God wants us to ask through this scripture. Now, in the text that, that Brett read for us, there are a plethora of, of questions that we could ask, but the one that's kind of been gnawing at me as I've been preparing for this message is, what blind spots do we have that keep us from following Jesus? Saul, also known as Paul, same guy, same dude, had a pretty big blind spot, didn't he? Saul was on a mission to destroy the message of Jesus, to get rid of followers of the way, the way of Jesus. He believed that it was threatening God's desires for people. Saul had condemned, or Saul had uh, condoned the uh, murder of Stephen. 
he made it his calling to exterminate people who wouldn't change their ways. He even went and got a formal letter of permission from the religious establishment, the Pharisees, to go out and seek out Jesus' followers and handle them. Saul was a pretty well-connected dude. He was a highly educated Jewish person. He was a second-generation Pharisee and a citizen of Rome. As a well-connected insider, Saul had marginalized those who were following Jesus. But as he neared Damascus, where he was going to continue his fight against this newly formed group of Jewish people, suddenly this heaven, suddenly this light flashed around him. And a voice speaks out to him, asking, why are you persecuting me and my people? And Saul says, who are you? Who are you? And Jesus says, I am the one that you're harassing, that you're persecuting. Jesus firmly identifies himself as the leader of these people that Paul is killing. Jesus further instructs Saul to go on to the city and wait there and I'll tell you what to do. Now, these scriptures, we've kind of had a hard time with them because it's, it's kind of hard to pick what to read because when we're doing these things, we really should read like two full chapters and, and go through them because there's so much going on before and after these texts. And so just a couple of verses after what we had read today is Ananias. And Ananias is also called to do something outside of his comfort zone. Ananias is called to see a blind spot. He's called to go and heal Saul. And this is what Ananias said in verse 13 uh, after the Lord asked him to go and heal Saul. Ananias countered, Lord, I've, ha I've heard many reports about this man People say he has done horrible things to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's here with authority from the chief priests to arrest everyone who calls on your name. And the Lord responded, get up and go. Now this get up and go is kind of a pattern in the book of Acts. Saul was blinded there on the road to Damascus and Jesus said, get up and go to the city and I will give you further instructions. And the Lord tells Ananias here, after Ananias kind of goes, look man, I don't know, do you know who that guy is? And the Lord says, get up and go and do what I've asked you to do. Ananias was also walking on blind faith. Blind faith that he would not be walking in to a person who was trying to kill him. One of the things that we, we talk about each and every week is how we can uh, bridge the gap between who we really are and who God wants us to be. Uh, the Holy Spirit kind of helps us 
in bridging that gap as we live our lives. And one of the things that I think out of this is that God desires for us to get rid of our blind spots. You know, what, what are those things that we can do to recognize those blind spots in our lives that keep us from following Jesus? It's not easy to, to see a blind spot, is it? That's why they call them blind spots. Do you remember when you first learned to drive and uh, your parents would be like, watch out, you gotta make sure there's not a car in your blind spot. You know, and, and back when I learned to drive, I basically had four things I could do. I could look at my left mirror, right mirror, rear view mirror, and turn, you know. But, but now, you're, the light on the mirrors will blink, and sometimes the steering wheel itself will shake, won't it, when, when somebody's right there in your blind spot. Uh, it, here's a couple of things that we can do to help. One of the things that we can do to get rid of our blind spots is by being respectful. Hear me out. Verse three, during the journey, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven encircled him, Saul. He fell to the ground, the sign of humbleness, and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? And Saul asked, who are you, Lord? He didn't know who he was, but he called him Lord, a sign of respect. Now, Saul is one of those people who's all in. Do you know those people? You, you have those people in your life who are all in. If he were an Alabama or Auburn fan, he'd have season tickets. He would tailgate and have the tent and have, be smoking the meat at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he'd have the gaudy school colors on. You know what I'm talking about. Not just the shirt, but everything. <laughs> you know, Paul was one of these guys, Saul, who was just all in. He needed a dramatic event that would stop him in his tracks and make him fall to his knees before he could see a blind spot. Now, now we can be a lot like that. It's hard for us to hear what Jesus is asking us to do when we think we've got it all together. I'm on Facebook. I see it all the time. Good, wonderful people belittling each other because they think differently than they do. You cannot see a blind spot when you're hurling insults at other people and when you think your way is the only way. Now, one of the things, I want to give us just a couple of life hacks, if you will, in order for us to recognize our blind spots. Uh, when we live respectfully, we'll be more able to hear God. And here are a few things that we can do. One is listen and be present. How many of us when we are listening to somebody, aren't really listening, but coming up with the next thing we're going to say. I don't know if that resonates with you, but I do that way too much. 
Listen to someone before forming your own opinions. Give someone the benefit of the doubt. Try and put yourself in their shoes. Be thoughtful of others' feelings. This is where the golden rule comes into play, right? The golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. Make decisions based on what's right, not on what you like. This is such a challenge in our culture, isn't it? Because in our culture right now, situational ethics is just fine. Do you know what I mean by situational ethics? Situational ethics is how people say the end justifies the means. It's okay because I believe that I am right. Strive to be the kind of person that makes decisions based on a purpose, not a preference. You know, we can set aside our blind spots by being respectful and by just stopping, by taking a break. Let's look at verse eight. After they picked up Saul from the ground, he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and neither ate or drank anything. You know, when you read about Paul earlier in Acts, he is moving really, really fast. He is on it. He is uh, putting Christians on trials, people of the way on trial. He is trying to squelch Jesus' message. He is going to the temple courts to get permission slips to go off and do whatever he wants. He is moving fast from town to town. And then he stopped cold in his tracks. And he's forced to be still for three days in which he didn't eat or drink anything. One of the biggest challenges we face in our culture today is the pace in which we live. I mean, technology has ramped up the rhythms of our lives to really an unsustainable pace. People are struggling with anxiety at higher and higher levels each and every year. Our kids' schedules are so jam-packed with stuff that they hardly have time to just be kids. The other day I was picking Hannah up from her life group and me and another mom were in the parking lot and we were kind of just chatting about how busy our schedules can be and if there was even a way possible to slow them down. I, for one, don't think that the human body is created to live at the pace in which our American culture lives. Here's a few things I think we can do to help us slow down just a little bit. The first one is let's limit our technology. We get addicted to this technology, don't we? We, we love the fact that, that we can find out where our kids are at a moment's notice and that we're, we, we get excited when, when notifications come in. We, we get this high of checking our social media feeds. The problem is, is we're on call every minute of every day. It's rare that we get any space to just breathe and just be. So I want to challenge you to bridge the gap and set up boundaries around your technology. Put time limits 
on certain apps on your phone. Maybe have a box when you have a meal with your family that you all put your phones in and it goes away and you can just center on each other. The next thing is be in the moment. When we're rushing around, we often just run people over or push them to the side. We don't take time to look at the cashier in the eye at the grocery store and figure out how in the world they're doing. And we don't have time to spend with our neighbors chatting about their week and how things are going in the neighborhood. Our busyness is pushing away one of the greatest gifts that we have as people. And that's each other. This week, stop, slow down, put things away, look your loved ones in the eyes and spend quality time with each other. The third thing I want to lift up, and and stay with me on this one, uh, drive the speed limit. Why would I say drive the speed limit? You know, if you're like me, you're always just a little bit late. You know, not quite real late, but always just right on the edge of being late and you're weaving in and out of traffic. Well, I got a little bit of bad news. You're not a NASCAR driver (laughs) and you're not in a race. Slowing down is a physical act. If you're anything like me, you spend a lot of time in your car Forcing yourself to just simply drive the speed limit helps your body mentally and physically and spiritually just slow down a little bit. We can set aside our blind spots by being respectful, by taking a break, and by getting up and going. Verses 15 through 16 says this. This is the response to Ananias after he said, are you sure you want me to go over to Saul? But the master said, don't argue, go. I've picked him as my personal representative to non-Jews and kings and Jews. And now I'm about to show him what he's in for the hard suffering that goes with this job. The Lord told Ananias, get up and go. Sometimes we have to respond to God when we have no idea what God is wanting us to do. Sometimes we have to respond to God when we are not sure what the outcome will be. Ananias didn't let the fact that Saul was a person who was killing probably people that he knew and loved stop him from going to lay hands on him and heal him. Because he did what was asked of him, Saul was healed. And Saul became one of the most influential people to spread Christianity, probably only second to Jesus. I want to invite our worship band to come back up as we close our teaching time together. Remember that graduate student at Harvard who uh, left to become a nun? 
people were confused and thought to themselves, what a waste. But there was another response that happened during that time. They came in the form of emails back where other students expressed their support for her, their friend, and said they too loved Jesus and were striving to find the best ways to fully serve. Owen Gingrich, who's a professor emeritus of astronomy and history of science at Harvard, thought that this group of people who were expressing support for her should get together and meet. And lo and behold, a small community of Christians at Harvard began to meet together regularly to talk about how they could best serve God in a place where Christian religious beliefs aren't always welcome. All because this one student heard Jesus say, get up and go, and she went. Let's pray. Oh God, we, we love you. We thank you for the holy scriptures that challenge us to live in ways in which are uncomfortable. Oh God, help us to see the places in our lives that we're blind to the truth so that we can fully follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.